1: Hi, Paul. Look at us. Face to face, but two metres apart.
2: Yeah, socially distanced face to face. Uh,
1: yes, yeah, so we are back in the studio for the first time in months.
2: Yeah, the two of us occupying roughly the same space at the same time. Mad exciting.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, so kind of these little nuggets of normality. Uh, sleeping back in. Uh, so it's great. Uh, yeah, we, we had a brilliant chat. With our guests, so we're kind of buzzing after that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Who did we have?
1: We had Michael Smiley, the Northern Irish actor uh, from. You may you may have heard of him. He's. I uh, oh, he, he was such a joy to chat to and um, kind of talking through his career and uh, we talked about some of the films that he really enjoyed working on and most recently Dead Still, uh, directed by Imogen Murphy, passed guest of the show and god he couldn't say enough great things about working that gig and um,
2: yeah and being team. home you know um yeah and just a just a breath of his work a really good example of someone uh having a great attitude and being a a grafter and you know and 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 just working his way through the system um and being grateful for it to, to be there to be at to be at the party. Yeah. Um and just the, one of the funniest bastards you know, have yeah, ever. Yeah, very funny. Him. Yeah. Um so yeah we're we're uh, delighted to have him on. Um so yeah, we've a couple of things going on and a big announcement. We have two new fantastic hosts on uh, co-hosts on F&I going forward. Uh fr- so intermitt- intermittently over the next couple of months we'll be joined by uh Shanti o- Shanti o- and Mia Malarkey who shall be taking over uh, part uh, part podcasts over the next uh, over the next while.
1: Yeah. So yeah, we're very excited about it just bringing new voices in mm-hmm. um and it's new reach. So, you know, they have a whole new network of people that they want to bring in uh, so it, just more perspectives mm-hmm. and more uh, more great conversations, hopefully.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I suppose guaranteeing this, the, the future of the podcast as well, keeping it fresh for people too. So that's number one. Number two, F&I at Home is... Uh, a couple of announcements today. F&I at Home is back uh, in the middle of July with uh, um, Glenn Layburn Leib- uh, and... Uh,
1: L- Lisa de Saab Barros. Yeah,
2: I wanted to say that correctly. <laughs> big words, me good, not so much to say. Um Yeah, uh, incredible (coughs) filmmakers um, making some of the more interesting uh, Northern Irish features over the last couple of years. Good Vibrations being one of them. Um, Also involved in Cherry Bomb uh, initially and with Rupert Grint. And more recently, um, Ordinary Ordinary Love Love with uh, uh, Liam Neeson and Leslie Manville. A lovely, um, subtle, subdued uh, take on... uh, illness, uh, uh, cancer more specifically. Uh, It's a lovely, lovely piece of work. It premiered at Cork uh, last year in Ireland. Uh, So if you get a chance, that's on iTunes. Check that out. So we'll be joined for a chat uh, um, in mid-July. So keep an eye on our social media networking platforms of how you can get involved with that. Uh, And also, uh, Film Network Ireland, uh, we're also... Now we have massive thanks to uh, Screen Skills Ireland for supporting Film Network Ireland into the future with F, uh, our F&I at Home uh, initiative and some of our other projects going forward. We're incredibly grateful and we're in great company with some really fantastic organisations all uh, doing some stellar work for Irish film and television. So we're over the moon, overjoyed and incredibly grateful. So thank you so much for that, guys.
1: Brilliant, yeah, so uh, we'll be back over the next few weeks with more guests, so keep tuning in, um, we'll probably be still doing some online and, you know, over Skype and all that kind of thing as well, where we're still managing through this, but where we can, we'll be doing. Um, uh, Paul's not going
2: anywhere, everyone, don't worry. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, no, yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, but we're ever-evolving and hopefully just continue to make keep making the show better, so let's go to Michael Smiley. So there's just two Pauls that, on the call, just to make clear? it just to make it confusing. The two two co-hosts called Paul, so Paul one, Paul two.
0: All right, <laughs> Paul one, Paul two. Jesus, <laughs> which
2: one is which? As you huh?
0: like, like the two popes. <laughs> well, there was there was Pope Paul who who was around for a long time, and then there was that weird John Paul the first, who um all the mysteries surrounded didn't last that long. People say he got whacked and then John Paul II turned up and everybody loved him so much so that every family in Ireland called their firstborn child John Paul, (laughs) especially if he lived in, you know, and it it just became that name, didn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, they actually made a documentary about it, I think last year, because it's 40 years since he visited in 79 and they looked at all these 40 year old John Pauls. <laughs> and track their lives so, where the, they were now.
0: I love the idea that everybody would everybody went back home and fought for fucked for the Vatican <laughs> that night. Just smashed the granny out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? is in action. Where whereabouts are you now? I'm in London. I've been in London uh, for years. Been in London longer than I've been in Ireland, to be honest. Thirty seven really? years I've been in London. Um, so I'm here in South London in the family home been doing lots of interviews today I've done like five interviews but I've done them on the back of my van I've got a camper van so I outside and sat in that with a flask of tea and <laughs> a sandwich that the missus brought me because we've got um, we've got the kids in the house and also we've got an electrician in who's taking the house apart room by room so I just thought I'll get out of everybody's way go and sit in the camper van so then the missus come out the missus come out and says I need the camper van I mean for fuck's sake what for she's on driving this old lady to the hospital alright fair enough I suppose that's a good enough excuse so um like to come you're, in and come upstairs to her office you're like the lady in the van yeah <laughs> I let my lady in the van I hope she won't end up there though uh,
2: so listen thanks a million for doing the show Um, it's really fantastic to have you on and uh if you don't know anything about the show it's more it, it's it's uh an advice i suppose altruistic uh, led uh podcast with right. people kind of starting out on film and tv over over okay. he- over here so i might kind of take it back to how it all started was there ever a kind of light light bulb uh, moment where you're like okay i want to be an actor
0: or well um no there was not there was no fucking yoda character in my life I, <laughs> you know i grew up in the 70s in northern ireland there was no yodas you know i come from i come from hollywood and um, Ironically, I come from a town called Hollywood, but it was it was full of John Wayne's. There wasn't too many Cary Grants, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up coming to London, and then I was in London about 10 years when um, mates kept sending me about eight years, it was in London. People, mates kept saying, You should do stand up, you should do stand up, you should try stand up. So I tried stand up and took to it like a duck to water. And then when I was doing my building up my my, Ed, my material and taking stuff to Edinburgh, it became sort of autobiographical trilogy of plays where I played loads of different characters. And that's where I got the acting bug from, was from, you know, going up to Edinburgh every year. So for somebody who didn't go to, you know, RADA or anywhere like that, my RADA, I suppose, was Edinburgh every year, going up with a new show or a new play. And then one of my flatmates, uh, Simon Pegg and... A co worker, uh, Jessica Stevenson, wrote Spaced. And they wrote one of the characters, was based on a Northern Irish cycle career, come raver, who has, <laughs> uh, is a bit spiritual, has mood swings, which is completely based on me. So asked me, would I play it? And I went, yep. And that was my, that was the sort of the beautiful mistake of how I got into where I am today, really, you know. So it's, you know, it's, for me, it was, I think, other people seeing in me what I didn't see in myself. And I think sometimes, you know, you have to go away from your, your. Um, in those days, anyway, I had to leave home to find out who I was. In a way, you know, mm-hmm. you know, because you're exotic abroad, you're not exotic at home. I'm not exotic in fucking Hollywood. <laughs> I'm fucking, you know, I'm somebody's kid brother in Hollywood. You know, I'm not, um, I'm not this exotic Irish guy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, so, uh, in general terms, what was it like to be Irish initially when you when you moved over, in terms of creative It was
0: dodgy. It was well as far as, well just socially it was dodgy because there was a war going on in Ar- in north, the north part of Ireland, so um, every time I opened my mouth I was a bummer you know so I had to be very uh, I learned a I learned a Cockney accent pretty quickly to be able to order a drink, and then kept my mouth shut for most of the time in the pub unless I was in as in friends but cre- creatively speaking, you know when I first went over, I you know I hung around with a lot of we I lived in a um like a a B and B. Mm-hmm. For um, the homeless. So it was in this homeless bnb with lots of amazing characters, and we would just sit around and do, tell funny stories all day. And then that sort of progressed into trying to write with people. And then was it, when I was a cycle courier, um, there was a courier magazine called Move and Target, and I used to write for them like funny skits and um, life on a bike type, you know, diary type things, and doing these mad reviews of sandwich bars. And then <laughs> I showed a the should have been made the babies.
2: The Anthony Bourdain the, the, of my, Hollywood, Northern Ireland, huh?
0: Aye, that's the fella. <laughs> so they made him I made him I was working for the BBC in the in the, the in the radio and there was a thing called Weekending. I don't know if you know came across weekending. No. It was sort of a weekly satirical programme on the radio that um people like uh, Um, Stuart Lee started out on and Al Murray and those boys Richard Herring and all them um, they all started out there they were they were commissioned writers and then they would throw out any bits to non-commissioned writers and I got so I managed to get me into the non-commissioned writers bit and I because she was a secretary to Harry Thompson and Armando Iannucci who were the producers and I got two one-liners on and got paid which then made me think fuck, maybe I can do this shit. Yeah. And then um, around that time, one of my mates who he was trying to write with was just going, mate, forget about this. You, you're a stand-up. So then he pushed me into stand-up and that's how I ended up being a stand-up comedian. Went to, with him, went to a comedy club called VD Clim- Clinic and uh, <laughs> I'd round up to try and get an open spot and they said, oh, no, um, we're, we're full this week, but you can come and have, get a lay of the land if you want. It was a guy called Kevin Anderson who was... Joe Coffields, who still is Joe Coffee's husband. And he, um, so I went down with my mate Stuart and we're standing at the bar and then um, Kevin came up to me and went, he's kind of brusque Glaswegian. And he says, uh, what did I say to you? And I says, oh, you didn't have any spaces but to come down and get a lay of the land. And that's why he put me on the guest list because I thought he was going to ask me for a fiver. <laughs> and uh, he went, uh, all right, and he went away. And then he came back and he went, uh, somebody's dropped out, you're on first after the break. Uh... And I just shot myself. I shot myself, and I was on first after the break, and that was a. Uh, and I couldn't sleep that night. It was one of those moments you <coughs> you sort of step over an invisible threshold, going or like a Narnia moment where you just go, I'm in this other place, and I'm not going back, and this is where I'm going to go. I don't know where it's dark. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I'm going to go through this and push forward and see where that takes me. And within a, six months, I'd done newcomers competition in Edinburgh called So You Think You're Funny. It was a split decision between me and Dylan Moran. Uh, and then they gave it to Dylan and I came second. And then I got comedy store, uh, TV, all that out of it. Just My career just went through the roof.
1: Do you miss that stand-up or do you, do you ever think about going back and doing a bit more?
0: Um, I think with stand-up, there was a point where I, when I stopped stand-up, which is I think you've got to tell the universe who you are. You know what you want, mm. and I was doing. I was doing. Uh, I was doing a lot of stand up and a bit of acting, and then I was doing a bit of stand up and a lot of acting. You know, and then there's a point where you got to go. Look, I've got to stop this because I'm only really doing the circuit, and if I'm brave enough, I could make probably make a living out of the acting. And there's people on the circuit who are just doing the circuit and they need the money. So I, I always hated, you know, comedians who'd become actors and then come back and would do, you know, just. Steal the show or steal the money of a working actor, you know. Mm-hmm. So, or working comedian rather. So, I was a bit. I knew that um, kind of my social conscience wouldn't let me continue. Otherwise, you go down. You go down to one man um, show road. You know the what Dara does or yeah, Ed yeah. Burner whatever does. You know um, Tommy Keenan does, which is, it's all very well and good, but you've got to devote yourself to that and then not take any acting work. Or devote yourself to acting, and you you got to let if acting comes through, and you got to cancel the, the tour. So, I thought, now fuck it, I'm going to go for, um, going to go down the road of acting full time, and also it's it's a bit more. I think it's a bit more dignified for an older man to be an actor than to be a stand-up comedian. To <laughs> be honest,
2: yeah, yeah, you've got that right. Was there ever um, I mean the. Do you ever feel comfortable? Do you ever get to a point where you feel comfortable actually calling yourself an actor or a performer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what yeah. was what was it for you? Was there a, was there a you know a gig or a point where you're like, okay, now I'm comfortable at dinner parties or fucking whatever to say, you know?
0: Well. Uh... I think it was. I was always a at the dinner parties, cracking jokes and taking the piss anyway, because that's the fucking Belfast way, the Northern Irish way. You know what I mean? Especially in England, you know that's such fucking it's such um, a rich, uh, a rich vista. You know, <laughs> so they're they're there for they're there for the taker. You know what I mean? They're Having a fucking clue what's going to hit them. Fishing with dynamite. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's like freaking having having a dinner party in Belfast or in Dublin. Not dinner parties, but having a fucking drink and a bit of crack with your mates. You, there's the quick and the dead, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, if, and if you're not funny, you're going to get fucking crucified for it, and they'll make that'll be the running joke for weeks about you being not funny. So, you know that the so to go to England, you know, even the cockneys couldn't fucking keep up. So, that wasn't a problem. It was more. Um, admitting to myself that it was something you know that low self esteem or that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. um, but as far as stand up was concerned I was I, I was always proud of being a stand up as an actor because I hadn't you know uh, went a Rod or anything that dear you know I had come from the world of stand up there was definitely an imposter syndrome and then I did my first film with Ben Wigley, which is called Down Terrace and uh he I got the chance to improvise a lot there and within it, only done one day's filming with him, the, the film I took eight days to make. And I came away from that going, fuck, that was good work I did. Maybe <laughs> I'm an actor. Yeah. I'm. A, maybe I'm an actor. And then it was the... So the proof in front of me was enough for me to go, okay, I'm an actor. Now I've just got to try and get better at it and look at my faults and try and tidy that up and, you know, and just, you know, start learning this trade, you know, which yeah. I've been doing trying to do for the past so many years you know
1: we're both big fans of uh Darren Terrace Um what did <laughs> Ben kind of pitch you with was there a script or was it a treatment or
0: was it a verbal thing well, you, what, what happened was it um, Ben had worked we had worked together on a thing called The Wrong Door which is a CGI sketch show for the BBC okay And there was a there was there was weird things like little sketches, long sketches, episode long sketches, you know. And there was an episode long sketch called the Train Pirates with Brian Blessed, and it's all a bit strange. And um, yeah, he was a fucking he's anyway a weird (laughs) man. Uh,
2: Go on, you know you want to tell that story.
0: Well, we fucking we come in. There was a guy who was um, let's you know a person of restricted growth. For once, want of a better expression, was one of the cast, and we had a, we had a, we had a fucking table reading in the BBC, and Brand wasn't there. <laughs> Brand turned up late, and we're all sitting around, and Brand sort of comes in like, here you fucking are?" You know, <laughs> and we're all sitting around the table, and then Ben says something about the script. What do you think about the script? Ben, uh, Brand, Bresson looked around the room, and. Made some comment of a script, but then pointed at this cloak and said, "You better keep that little fucker away from me. I'll be, th- I'll throw, it. I'll throw him off the caboose." <laughs> and we're like, "Right, okay." Everybody was a bit like, "Okay, that's a bit strange." And then me and your man ended up showing a, um, a, a tube together. And I says, so, how do you know Bram Blessed? You know, uh, did you work with him before?" He says, "I've never met him before in my life." And I went, "Fuck! I thought you should work together." That was a bit sort of like oh, there's that prick that I work with type thing, you know? And it wasn't, it was just Brad Blessed making a fucking, making a snap decision about a person of restricted growth.
2: <laughs> oh, Jesus you know? Christ. Um, yeah. yeah. So then from there, so, from there. Yeah,
0: so, you know, from there, Ben, so Ben then wrote, um, down, was writing down Terrace and he wrote the card to Pringle and he wrote it for me. And then seen me in the street in Soho one day, and says like I've got the script, I've wrote this part. There's no money in the script. I'm gonna shoot it all in eight days. It'll probably only take one day for your thing, but this character's I've written it for you. And I went, yeah, yeah, you just sent it through to us. So he sent it through to me, and I just fucking loved it. Pringle was a was a gift from the gods. Pringle was up there with tires was as a gift from fucking Simon and Jessica. You know what I mean? It was just that, fuck, yeah, man. So we did it and. You know the whole idea of um, Down tennis for Ben was that it's you know he had a certain amount of time with each scene and no cutaways and we just had to keep the ball rolling so people like myself and um Tony Paul Way and people like that who could improvise um, <coughs> pardon me um if anything just fucked up, he just improvised around it so a lot of stuff that I did was improvised on uh, in my scenes um. And a lot of it was on script as well, obviously. But it was all that stuff about, uh, you know, him um, in the hall. Don't don't make any fart noises on him. That all was... The, you've seen Down Terrace, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, Well, the, when I come in with my son, that's really um, the two robes. Um, that's his daughter and that's his granddaughter, right? right? So when I bring that, the my son into the room... She jumps up and goes and runs towards her fucking her, her granda, so he has to pick the child up. So then I start talking to Rob to try and for the camera to pan away from that to try and calm the, the kid down and get the kid out of shot. And then the, behind, then the camera was on me, and then the dad handed the daughter to the son to Rob, and then I, I had the scene with the dad about the brick hitting the kid in the head with the brick story. <laughs> And then when I when I turned around, Rob was blowing raspberries on his daughter's belly, and I went, "What are you doing?" So I just stayed in character I said, "What the fuck are you doing? You know, Don't be doing that, man. If you're going to play with it, play him down the hallway. Don't take him into, into the into the bedroom or anything." Which was another another way of saying, "Fuck off out of the out of the room and let me let me do this scene." So um, so that's that's that was all just playing, you know. So I think that was one of the things where I think Ben and Laurie Rose must have went, "All right." OK, uh, Andy Stark must have went, OK, well, he knows how to deal with a rough ball. And I suppose that the years of stand up in a rough crowd and improvising around your set and stuff like that can underplay Then you know.
1: Is it rare that you get to improvise like that or have that kind of freedom?
0: Yeah, yeah, especially TV, <laughs> TV, the, the writers on set fucking, um, you know. Protecting his his precious words, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and on and on film, you can improvise a bit, but again, it's you know, it depends how how um, how much ownership and how tight the director or the writer or the producers want to hold onto their baby. You know, mm. if they want to get it over the line, or you come up with something and they're not um, they're not too touchy about it, then you you can play. And some. Some people just want to flesh out a, a scene and go, look, I want you to... You have to say this is some stage and we have to get out of this and after this, he's going to come in. So fucking let's let's try it. And with Ben, it would be things like you would do the scene verbatim um, on take one and then you would fuck about uh, between take one and take two and then take two, you could come away from the script a wee bit and then he would have a radio and service in the car like with me and Mask over on Kill List and we were sitting in the car waiting for the priest or waiting for the um, the pornographer type of guy. Mm. The um, we we just improvised. Then we just go, okay, where you go, you know, stick the script right, come off the script, come a bit further, come away further, like that, come away further. And we would just go fucking further and further and further. And then we'd come back again, and we'd come back with some of the some of the, the sweet berries of our improvisation and bring it back to the, the nectar, bring it back to. The nectar, the the higher hanging fruit, <laughs> and, uh, and, and bring it back and start, and then and that would reinform the scene. Then you know, so it was that's the fun part of it. You know, it's not really. There's sometimes like free fire, you could improvise a bit, but then it becomes the problem of free fire and improvisation was that there was a lot of a lot of blokes in the one space who didn't really know each other and were nervous about their first time working with bands, so they were on their metal. So you didn't want it to become a a fucking improvising Dick's, dick trick fucking game, you know what I mean? Yeah, Every, everybody's to be Peter Sellers them. all of a sudden. Yeah, and you know, when I look back at some of Peter Sellers' stuff, he's ruined some fucking films. Really? You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know. Yeah. I think, oh his best film is actually you where know? he shut the
2: fuck up when he, you know, being there is probably his, his yeah. best Yeah, or
0: you just go, or you, or you just think, oh, you, I can see what's happening. You were so um, famous then that you pretty much bullied these people into letting you do this. You know, yeah. you like a, you know when you look at sort of Lolita, for example, which is a, a pretty you know dodgy s- subject matter by anybody's standards these days. Yeah. But his character in <laughs> Lolita turned up, and it was just they were just fucking tricks. They were comedy tricks. Every time he turned up, he'd had, fucking he had dragged his leg, or he had a monocle, he he fucking smoked a pipe, or and he played all these different. You were just going, you're just bringing out your trick bag here. That's right. not acting. You that's not no fucking you,
2: work whatsoever. <laughs> you
0: just, you're just, just decided. Up, yeah. I think I should. Yeah, it's. Or, I think I should play him like this, and you go. Or could you imagine that that other one? There the was, um, you know, the one. It's oh, what's the one? The famous one he did. The party. That was it? the, the Kubrick one. Oh, uh, uh, *Strangelove*. Yeah, Strangelove. that as well. I, I find, I think it's unwatchable. Mm. I watch him and just go. I could just see him just beating the shit out of the scenes, chewing the furniture up. Every fucking technician and actor must have looked and go. God, any chance Are we get it going a minute <laughs> yeah. you know yeah p- p- passes the ball uh, yeah, when you finish with that script can I have can you regurgitate it and I can do my bit yeah
1: <laughs> do you when you've been uh kind of you, you kind of said you're in the right place at the right time on, on certain stuff like how how as an actor like what's the best way of surrounding yourself with good people and
0: choosing the right without being, a, without right being a sycophant yeah <laughs> I think I think you know there's so much you know right the, I think the problem with a lot of um young people trying to get into the business that I'm in is that it's it's become a more of a a middle class thing you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's it, there's not too many outlets for somebody from the flats yeah or from our to um that gets seen, you know, and I think the only way to bypass that is to use the technology that's around you, like your phone and your laptop, and find, you know, find them. And, and anybody, like, anybody that ever asked me if I'm, at a, like if I'm at the Fla, the film, the Galway Fla, or whatever, and people ask me, what, how do you, what are you doing? I go, well, you know, what do you want to be? You want to be an actor? Do you have a mate who wants to be a director? Yeah, do you want a mate who, if you've got a mate who wants to be a cameraman, no, get one. Mm-hmm. If you've got a mate who wants to be a scriptwriter, get one and start your own little, group and start fucking getting ideas together and put them on, write them and put them on screen and improvise them and get a YouTube channel and Vimeo and whatever and start making stuff mm-hmm. and start putting it out there and start using Instagram and um, Twitter and Facebook for these things. Mm-hmm. And, stop talking about you know, it. And just be it. You know, Keep being it until the point, you know, stop thinking fuck, I need to get to this place before I'm successful. Don't look up, you know snap the best of um, the Advice I was ever given was snap off your wing mirrors. And that was given to by Addison Cresswell, who used to own Open Mic and Off the Curb, one of the big agencies who died, God rest his soul. Yeah. But um, me and him used to meet up and we'd bump into each other in Soho shabins at four and five o'clock in the morning. And we'd be standing around and putting the world to rest. And, you know, we had a, we had a bit of banter one night. And he said to me, um, you um, just snap your wing mirrors off. And I just thought that was a brilliant analogy. Mm-hmm. Just concentrate on what's on, on what's concentrated what's in, in, in the other side of your windscreen. You know, what if you're looking in your wing mirrors or looking in your rearview mirror, you're slowing down, you're taking in other people. It's that's you're not their journey, you're your journey. So do the stuff that you really wanna do. If you really wanna do it, you'll do it and you'll find people around you who want to do it. You know? Yeah. And you know, go to festivals and talk to people. Find yourself in environments where it's okay to stand around and talk like this. Do you know what I mean? Where it's expected. You know, go and be a pin in the arse at a fucking arts festival. Go and fucking talk to people like me. You know, come and talk <laughs> be to careful people like watch me. You wish for there <laughs> Listen, I'm all I don't listen, it I'm never if you're a pin in the arse I'll tell you to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's I've got enough. no, I've got no qualms about telling you to go fuck yourself. But <laughs> at the same time, if you're if you genuinely want help, of course I'm going to help somebody. I'm going to help. I'm going to give them whatever advice I can or whatever. You know.
2: Yeah, kind word goes a long way. Uh,
0: yeah, and just don't be a dickhead. Yeah, you know, absolutely. be kind. Both don't make it, Don't be a pest. And, don't, and and be kind. You know.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, just a quick one, just to kind of turn it on its head. How do you? and I'm sure even at your the stage of your career now, you still. You're Still up for stuff and you don't get it, so you might get rejected. How do you deal with that?
0: That's hard. Um, it's hard. Um, it doesn't get any easier, you know. I've been rejected for um, some good stuff over the past couple of years that I thought, oh, man, I, I want that one, Fuck, yeah, and and then didn't get it. And you know, um, you know, and just just got to remind myself is what I, I was told something in uh, when I first started out was, um, Spend your money on the way in, don't spend it on the way out, you know, which is, you know, spend your money on the way, on your way into the audition, which will give you the impetus to learn your lines properly and fucking present yourself in the best possible way, yeah. not talk too much, not gabble, um, present your, 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 your work how you perceive it in the best manner and use that energy going, fuck, I really want this, I really want this. And then after the thing, say, thanks very much, that's great, just rip it up like a fucking used um, scratch card and get on with your life. And if you get a phone call, great. And if you don't get a phone call, hopefully you forgot about it. Yeah. You know, I think it's what, you know, there's that, your man that's in uh, Breaking Bad. He was also who was in Malcolm in the Middle. Right. Cranston, name, terrible names. Yeah, Brian Cranston. What a great—he's another. He's a prime example of somebody who got it late and has got all the fucking energy and all the talent and all the fucking kudos And he's cool as a—he's cool as a breeze. And he said, um, "Don't go in to get a job. Go in to do a job." Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting as well. So it's about you know if you go in and you don't get the gig, it was because. You know that wasn't how they perceived it, or that's how it wasn't. It wasn't how you, you weren't meant to get it that way. But it's not because you're shit. It's just because your vision wasn't the same as their vision. It just mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you're shit. So don't let that side of don't let that um, the poison fucking um, element of your brain tell you to shit. That low self esteem stuff going. Yeah, you're what You're shit, mate. What are you bothering for? All of that is just that's low self esteem. Yeah, you're fuck, there for fuck a reason. that guy. Yeah, fuck him, fuck him, and he set his hair on fire. <laughs> you know, um, but that, you know, just you know, just keep going, and you know, don't stop until a miracle happens. The, it's going to, it's going to turn up. It's going to turn up. You got to keep at it. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, when you fucked up an audition, and you know when you've smashed it, mm-hmm. and if you've smashed it and you haven't got it, it's not because you were shit. And if you fucked it up, you fucked it up. Every, we're human. You know, the air is human. So just you, the the best thing you're going to learn is from your fuck ups. Your mistakes is what make you. You yeah, know, absolutely. It's a, not your vict- It's a not go, your victories.
2: A, a good a good audition is its own reward in a way. So you know, try and master what you can yeah. in that room. Yeah, go right? in.
0: Yeah, and go in and leave them with something to think about. Do you know what I mean? Go, go in and, you know, I remember like I, I've had jobs where they've just come out of the blue, right? My favorite, like a, my favorite story is. I got a, um, my missus, it was the early, early part of my career, so it was the early, early, I think 2004 or something like that, right? And I was, had like three or four bad auditions in a row and I'm like talking about waking up in the middle of the night, bolt upright in bed, fuck, type of moments, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just still covered in sweat going, why did I fucking say that? Jesus, how come I couldn't remember that? Those ones, you know, yeah. where it was still haunting you. And I was going for this audition for a, a, a cop drama called Murder Prevention. Um, uh, I, was play, I was auditioning for the undercover guy in the in the squad in the Murder Prevention Squad. Right. So as I was leaving the house, my wife said, and my girlfriend at the time said to me, um, "Listen, um, when you are in a bad mood, or you're full of fear, or you're nervous." Uh, about something, it's like you're a black hole. You walk into a room and you're like a black hole, and you suck all the joy out of the room, and you make everybody fucking frightened of you because that big naughty Irish fucking attitude <laughs> that you have. Just give up um, now, kind of thing. It's, it's, you know, and she's just it was so. You know, that's what that's what you're like when you're. Uh, so don't be a black hole, you know. But when you're really happy and you're you're enjoying your life, you're irresistible. You're charming. It's like you're farting rainbows. So when you're going for this job today, why don't you fart some rainbows? And I went right. Okay, I'm going to fart some rainbows. I'm going to fart rainbows today. <laughs> so I went down to this. I went down to this audition, and uh, I got in there, and I was. I think I was in half twelve, and this bloke turned up, and he uh, he come down from Manchester, and he said, "Oh shit!" I'm, oh, I thought I was here for the half twelve, and I knew what he was doing, basically he was coming down from Manchester it's cost him a fortune he's probably stacked up two or three auditions and this was the one that was slightly too uh, you know too late for to make it work so I looked at him and I went look listen mate um, why don't you take mine and then I'll I'll go and come back and shoot the receptionist what you're showing me yeah 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 don't worry about it so I give it to him farting rainbows so I went <laughs> out walked around got myself fucking ready Gone, right. I'm ready to go. Have a look at my notes, right. Let's fucking do this. Walking down the street and standing outside the um, the where I was doing the audition, the this casting agent's office was two blokes. One on a push bike, or one stand beside the pushbike one beside a motorbike, and I knew them from when I was a bike messenger and mm-hmm. um, Keith, and I said to Keith, oh, fuck, how are you doing? And Keith was well, like, I'm not too bad. Jamesy, do you remember him? Yeah, fuck, Jamesy, how you going? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I mean, what are you doing here? He says, I'm, I run this little dispatch office. I mean, I do you? And he went, yeah, and he was standing with a mug, mug of tea. He said, do you want a mug of tea? And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, but I want it in a china mug as well. I don't want it in a fucking polystyrene mug. And he, he was joking. He went, all right. I <laughs> mean, look, I've got, he says, where are you going? And he mean, I'm going, I'm going upstairs to, uh, to make a, to make a twat out of myself in front of in front of um, strangers and way upstairs started to make leave a parmaham slicing my soul in front of these people and he know what do you mean? he meant to me I'm doing an audition. He says, Oh you'll be wanting a cup of tea when you come down me fucking right I will. So I went up, done the audition, done okay. There was um uh, Justin Chadwick the director and there was Eleanor Green the executive producer and there was the, a casting agent and I fucking done a good enough job. And I left, right? And on my way, I was talking to the receptionist and then I go down and Keith sir, and we're standing having a chat and um, I went to him, uh, what about that cup of tea? And he went, oh, fuck, I forgot. And James, he says, can we stand in the sun? So we walked out and we stood on the other side of the road uh, to catch the sun. Uh, Keith fucking brings me the cup of tea. So the next minute I get a phone call that afternoon saying, um, you've got the job. So I was like, fuck, brilliant. So I went to the cast and crew reading, and I get there early and um, Justin Chadwick, the the director, comes over to me. goes, oh, Michael, thanks for taking the job. And I went, fuck me, you've given me a big break. What are you talking about? Thanks for taking it. (laughs) This is is brilliant. Thank you. He says, oh, but mate, you have been dining out on your audition. What do you mean? He says, that day? I mean, yeah. He says, well, what, what happened was, you know, you've done a good job. I'm fucking thinking this is the guy, this is our undercover guy. So you leave and I went to him, yeah, what do you reckon? said, oh, I'm not so sure. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Okay. So I says, he, he says, oh, work and have a cigarette. So the casting agent said, go to the front of the building and open the window and just smoke out the window because the next, the next client's coming in. He says, so I let, or, I've done my roll-up, opened up the window, looked out the window and you walked out and just fucking walked straight over the two blokes and started talking to them. And I went, fucking look at that. He just, he just fucking merged into society. So I run back in to get them. And I go, come here to see, come here to see what he's doing. So they brought me, brought them, them to the window, looked in the window he says, none of you were downstairs talking to two blokes, but you went across the street with them and you were drinking a cup of tea with them. And it wasn't even a normal cup of tea, it was a fucking china mug. And I went, we've got to give him the part. And they went, yeah, you're right. And that's how I got the fucking gig. <laughs> <laughs> that's gas
2: Just a, a great example of just, you know, it's, it's, it's really important to be a nice bloke, isn't it, when
0: you're working? You what? It's really important to be a nice bloke when you're working, right? I think so. I think it's. Uh, I think. Um, I think being a dickhead is quite a lonely place to be, and you've got to be quite dedicated to it, or you've got to be quite. Oh, you. You've got to be quite fucking. Um, you know, insensitive to what's going on around you. You know, it's. It's. It's hard work being a fucking arsehole It's a fucking. It's a vocation, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah,
2: it's a lot easier <laughs> you know to just I mean? turn
0: up and be yourself and be.
2: Just be nice. To, be yeah. kind,
0: man. Just be kind. You know it's hard enough. Like we we done um, dead still. I was there. We were there for like two months. I think doing dead still, maybe more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was the main actor. I was in every day. I was in every nearly every scene. You know, and there were quite you know quite long pieces of dialogue. Yeah. But you know, and it was perfect opportunity for me to play the fucking the you know the wounded fucking hard done by actor or the fucking you know. (laughs) <laughs> playing Johnny Big Bollocks about it, yeah. and it didn't. I consciously decided that I was going to fart rainbows. That we were going to uh, going to bring the love, and it, because you know it's not lost on me that costume, makeup, um, the sparks, the the chippies, the fucking grips, um, the catering, all of that um, transport, all get there a fucking a couple of hours before you, and they leave a couple of hours after you. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and you fucking there, and you be kind, man, the runner's just as important as the producer. everybody's doing the job, we're all in it together. Let's do it to the best of our ability and I'd bring my boogie box in, and we would dance and sing in the morning, and have a fucking laugh, and every we hugged each other and we had a fucking laugh, and we worked hard and those moments when you wanted to tell everybody to go fuck themselves because you've got a relationship with them now, you bit your lip and fucking realized it was you just having a bad moment and you let it pass. Yeah, and everybody has bad moments. You just fucking let it pass, man. Don't make it. Don't make an issue out of it. You know, be kind. And that was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had. Wow. Was working on um Dead Still because you know to be back home, to be trusted to be number one on the call sheet, mm. to be working in Dublin. You know, to be working with a crew that. Uh, the cast and crew, who were just bang on it, man. Everybody yeah. was fucking bang on it. And having these great actors turn up, but having this, just everybody that was doing their job was were all brilliant at their job. And for me, as, a, as an emigre, you know, somebody who's lived in London for so long, to be standing in a field in a sunny afternoon in Ireland with people from all 32 counties, all taking the piss out of each other's counties, all fucking having a laugh, just made my heart swell and oh. uh, on ac- on action everybody just fucking throwing themselves into it everybody trying their best for you and you know I loved it And um, you know maybe I'm just a sentimental old fucking emigre but that <laughs> really sat with me and I loved you know that idea of having so many women on set as well and uh, you know and you know, it was just, you know, working with Imogen, for example. Yeah. A fucking, a really inclusive, beautiful woman. Yeah, you incredible. Know. Yeah, we know her. Uh, just such a sweetest lady, you know what I mean? And we had the fucking crack together and we'd, we'd stand to go, what about this? How do we fucking make this bit work? But what about that then? We'd all fucking, we were all in it together with our sleeves rolled up, yeah. you know? It was a, fucking brilliant.
2: A brilliant concept as well. I mean, it, it's not, I don't yeah. think it's out here for a while, but a, a, a brilliant idea for uh, sure.
1: So ambitious and what you guys achieved with it. Uh, you can tell that, you know, you can, sometimes you can just tell that there was a good vibe on set when you're watching something.
0: Not yeah. But also you, you, you hope, yeah, and also you hope that because um, sometimes you can have a good vibe, and it turns out it'd be a fucking shit show, right, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's too much of a holiday or whatever, you know. But it, uh, you know what I was, what I was getting was it was hard work. There was a lot of rewrites, and there was a lot of things changed, and there was a lot of things done on the hoof because it was a new, it was a new idea with a new writer and a new concept, and he was being brave about, you know, that mixing of you know mixing comedy with with a bit of gothic with thriller with a bit of horror with in in um co- in a costume drama in Victorian fucking Dublin yeah. you know you you're you're not taking stuff away you're yeah. adding stuff adding there, you know
2: yeah it's like it's and, and a testament to it because it's travelling already you know which is incredible yeah
0: and i think to then have it where um everybody worked you know if everybody's done their job my job was, to, what I did, I did it to the best of my ability. And um, what I brought to it in the sense of off camera, I did it to the best of my ability. I made a conscious effort. It was a conscious decision through prayer and meditation every morning to be kind today and, to, you know, bring the love and work with love. Because if you don't, if you either live live in love or live in fear. And fucking, you know, I've worked on productions where the lead actors are fucking dickhead. Yeah. And everybody's tiptoeing around him or her. Or the producers are tiptoeing around him or her, and the food's not good enough, and the fucking the you know they want to travel in their own car, and the the, the um their accommodation isn't good enough, and all of this, you know what I mean, and tantrums all over the place. I don't need that, man, and I am certainly don't want to be the guy that brings that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. bring down the you whole know? crew. Trickles there, and I oh, guess. Oh, fuck that.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah every, then everybody's going all right. It's a lonely place, as I say. Been a decade's a lonely place. I feel sorry for them. Yeah. Lead, just lead by fucking. example. Lead by example but just so you know it's that point where you stand standing around God, one of my things was if you're looking around at, at the end of the first week and you go Jesus this is brilliant there's no dickheads on this set there's a good chance you're the dickhead <laughs> <laughs> come here before we let so you was, go I'm, I'm not the dickhead am I
2: <laughs> <laughs> so before we let you go I can't uh, it'd be rem- remiss of us not to bring up my name is Emily Um, very special oh. very special project oh. yeah, and it's a very special oh you're going to make me
0: stick. cry man you're going to make me cry I was yeah, that was just, again, something else. That was, again, something, that man. Yeah. When I, the, the thing about My Name Was Emily as well was that came, I think I got the script mm. at, like, 3 o'clock on Easter Thursday or something, you know, right. and I read it. And I, can't, I called my agent straight away to say, look, fuck, please, please, I want to be in, I want to be in this. Yeah. And and the, the office was closed because it was Easter. So I had to wait till the Tuesday, so over the weekend i'm reading the script and then I realized there was um two two other PDFs on the on the email, and I looked at them and it was fucking it was Simon 's story, yeah. and i hadn't a clue i hadn't a clue that he had motor neuron yeah. it wasn't in the writing I, I was in love with the writing and I found he had more neuron and i and then it, it mentioned it's not dark yet. I bought the fucking book online or bought the um the Kindle off it, read it, just blew my mind, blew my mind. So then they flew me out on a Tuesday to uh, Bray Studios where I I, I met him and I met the producers. And and he was just surrounded by these women, just these amazing women, like a a fucking Gaddafi's Praetorian guard, you know what I mean?
2: (laughs) Uh, Liz Gale uh, being one of them, I believe.
0: Yes, yeah, they were just amazing, you know, and and he was in this room, but they couldn't get the machine to work, you know, that he that um, he talks through, oh. and it kept glitching, okay. kept glitching, <coughs> so I just spent forty five minutes just fucking talking at him about what I thought of it and what, you know, what I was thinking of. I'd like to, uh, if, uh, you know, if he was to give me the job, I would fucking love to work with him. I would love to work on this and be an honour. What I loved about the script, how I sing the da. You know, blah, 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 blah. Just talk to talk to talk. And then it got to the point where I had to fly back. And um, so we were sort of in the basement of Bridge Two's and it was one of those old-fashioned lifts that takes you up to the first floor. And I'm standing at the lift and... With um, I can't remember which producer it was, but we were just standing. Look, I think it was Catherine, and we're just yeah, and we're just standing, and sort of looking at each other, and so say, "Well, fuck, I don't know how that went." And then his machine came on, and I heard his voice just go, "I fucking love him." <laughs> I went, oh, oh my god, oh my god, and we just, you know, it was just something else. Just his kids there and him there, and they're just crawling all over him and kissing him and loving him. And, and you know, and it just had me. The fucker had me naked all the time. I was fucking <laughs> middle-aged man with a little fucking white Irish belly, with my arse at all, like on O'Connell Bridge at Rush Hour on a fucking Friday, naked. <laughs> fucking getting out of a fucking getting out of a fucking bus in a uh, dressing gown handing to this guy who was standing on a chalk marked X and he ming- faded into the crowd and I just stand there doing that fucking dance with all these junkies going past me going what the fuck you doing man what are you on man and this girl this fat junkie girl kept, street girl kept gr- trying to grab my dick going give us a go on your mickey give us a go on your fucking mickey come here to me look at his food. You look at him and the mickey and this bloke came back with this kid in, a, his kid in a pram and two wee toddlers and he went look at you fucking you dirty cunt there's kids around you fucking dirty cunt he's shouting dirty cunt at me with three kids around him. and I'm just going please say fucking cut because there's the camera above the Starbucks so nobody could see it and the other camera in an island in the middle. Of the fucking uh, O'Connell Bridge with the builder's fucking tent over it, so everybody just thought I was a fucking naked nutter in the middle of the fucking bridge.
2: Oh, unbelievable.
0: <laughs> so, pretty- in terms of um, in terms
2: of life experiences, where is that the, the whole thing?
0: Oh, that's that was one of the again another just amazing time. Yeah. It was an amazing time to know that you're working with this man, this man who knows he's dying, mm. who's putting out work that is just so spiritual mm. and who's you know who's determined to direct his feature and you know for us to be able to do it you know for it to be able to come off you know um and just to be yeah you know, to be naked with eighty eighty other people running into the fucking sea was another one as well you know yeah, yeah. and all hearing all their stories you know and it was all part of that um ice bucket challenge for the motor neuron disease thing yeah, do you yeah. remember yeah, yeah 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 and and he um what, it, what was really weird was it was they were showing me some of the um the stories and it was like oh, these four women from like i think Cork or Skibbereen or something and it was part of their ice bucket uh, their um, bucket challenge you know where they were um, what do you call it you, know, you tick boxes you know your bucket list yeah. and there was there's just to fucking do the ice bucket get naked so i ended up running into the sea with them there was a, a man with his daughter uh, whose daughter had cerebral palsy and they'd done it together He, he had a stroke within the coma and when he uh he came out of the coma like a month later his wife had died and had buried her and he hadn't he hadn't left the house in fucking ages and he came out to do to do the do this um scene wow. so it was all those people that were in that uh, uh, they were the extras or the you know supporting cast that day yeah. every one of them had a fucking beautiful heartbreaking Irish fucking story. Do you know us us in our fucking beautiful Celtic twilight where we laugh and we cry <laughs> and we sing and we dance and we tell stories and we hug and we fight and you know and we do it all over again. And that's to me that's what coming home's all about and that's what I miss about being living over here, you know, is you know and my name is Emily was was one of those times yeah. where it was just like you know and and also seeing you know the the quality of crew that's in Ireland now, and the quality of storytellers and the quality you know of directors and uh, writers and stuff. It's it's all there, you know, and it's more part of its elbow. I can't wait to be involved in more Irish stuff, you know. It's exciting. There, there it's exciting again, huh? Yeah, and I've like I'm writing a film now. I've, uh, uh, I'm in the process of writing a feature film, and I'm in it, and I'm writing a play as well, which my, I might. Try and do it as maybe as a, as a one-off um, TV play or something like that, a film play. You know, mm. like a proscenia March type thing. And uh, it's set in a caravan. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. It's just it's inspiring. It's all inspiring. You know, like you know, Simon Fitzmaurice probably the most inspiring person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it's it, 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 it? It, it's it, fucking, how? How could you be a fucking prick complaining about catering when you <laughs> uh, when when you think about him?
1: Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, the documentary. You know? Did you catch the documentary? Of it's not yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so, yeah.
1: such a, an amazing piece of work. Uh, just to capture oh, that man. life, you know.
0: Yeah, and his amazing wife yeah. that she started writing a bit, and then now she's got a writing career out of it, and uh, she's just a be- an absolutely beautiful woman. Yeah, and For, a force, force of nature. Yeah, and those kids—they loved their daddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just crawled all over him and kissed him, and and she just held his hand, and it was just fucking—you know—the
2: great humbler. What a great humbling, wonderful, empathetic, uh, compassionate experience. It sounds like.
0: Yeah, and also with just that thing about you know uh, I think that you know the thing about death that the Irish, the Irish celebrate death. You know, and the, the and the, you know we celebrate it, and sometimes we can be a bit mockish, and sometimes we can get sentimental about it. But we're not, we don't shy away from it. No. And his, for a man like him, he was staring death in the face every day, as every part, as parts of his body started breaking down on him, and his mind was still as alert and still as fucking going forward. And he had made the decision to be loving and be kind. That's the That's for me is the the real inspiration. You know. Yeah.
2: Incredible. Uh, you know we could chat here all day. Um one last very quick thing before we go. Do you have a mantra sorry. or do you have a, a mantra or a motto that you use to keep yourself going?
0: Yeah, be kind or fuck off. <laughs> Lovely way to wrap it up.
2: Uh we really appreciate your time. Thanks a million for this, man.
0: Not a bother, Paul.
1: Best of luck with your writing and everything as well. Looking forward to seeing seeing what comes yeah, out of that.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's about a middle-aged man go back to Ireland after thirty years. So um, it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit close to my heart, but it's it's I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's lovely. That's it's a lovely great. piece.
2: Lovely. If you if you so find if you find yourself back again in the future, give us a shout. We can get a, a bit of an audience, and we can do a bit of q and A Q&A or something. It'd be great to have you.
0: Oh, I'd love that. Okay, let's do that, please. Okay, right, great. Michael, thanks so much. All right. God bless, lads. That's have a good years. time.
2: Take care. Stay good luck. Good luck with the show. I hope does really well.
0: Yeah, please, God. All right, see you soon. Mind yourself. Bye-bye.